Live from the apocalypse, this is State of the Game, and I'm here to tell you we are one famous porn star shout-out from being a big deal. I'm talking to you, Pinky. Um, so, my name is Dano. I am, I am your gracious host. I got <clears throat> a promotion at work. I went to the announcement Zoom, or sorry, Teams meeting or whatever, and I changed my background to Benny Blanco at the subway <laughs> to let him know. <laughs> um, I still got the hunger. I'm coming. I'm coming. I'm leaving. You're gonna have to deal with it. Um, so I, I'm having a, I'm having a great time. My my co-host, uh, you know. Bathed in the blood of his enemies, we're talking about K. Diggy. Mm. Thank you for joining me each week. <laughs> I am still mad at you, K. Diggy. Uh oh, can't believe this. So, there's an NBA fantasy league, we're trying to find people for it. My wife was shaming me because I didn't think of Keith quickly enough. I asked Keith, Keith's like, Sure, I'll, I'll be in there, but I'm not going to actually go to the draft. I have a party to go to, doesn't go to the draft. I picked 12th for the second year in a row. Keith, Keith gets Jokic. Number one pick, yeah. One pick. I was as shocked as you were. <laughs> Walks away with Jokic with the 60 fantasy points every game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, what are you going to do? Stat stuff. So thank you for being here, sir. Um, yeah. I mean, we're talking about we've got a double header right now. We're talking to the team. We are talking to uh, the man who makes the song cry, Ed Glorious. No question about it. Uh, and the, the sound, the sound of twenty twenty two. The voice of Teller Banks, the lead single. You, you're talking about Jason Griff puts out his new album, the lead single. Disc man and Teller just eating the track a lot. Hell yeah, thank you. you know, as an MC, Teller is like the predator, you know. He's just out, he's out there. So I'm I'm excited to have both. And we are gonna talk today about one of the truly impressive trilogies of albums in recent years, right? Uh, the grotesque and beautiful. The part and parcel and the I and I. Uh, I. What I like about it, and allow me to, to like just uh, get negative while being positive. It's my thing. Um, there's a lot of series out here in hip hop that aren't interesting, that are like part eight of a series that is the same thing. You, you can see that where they somebody's like, this is my series and this is part nine of it. It's basically the same beats. It's basically the same content. And I'm so excited to give it to you. And I'm like, why? Why is everybody so excited? <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of that. Uh, I actually did a rant on that separately for the, uh, for the subscribers. But uh, this series is very specific. It's very cinematic. 
and every album is different from from the other album and they fit into a journey i think an emotional journey uh that is just very well crafted uh so yeah how do you how do you feel about that does it does that make sense or am i uh overstepping with that no i mean honestly like uh Nah, I think you hit it right on the head. I mean, um, the trilogy was never really, I wouldn't say it was ever really, like, planned out, like, in advance. I knew that uh, me and Ed would, would keep working together, you know what I mean? But it wasn't something where it was, like, planned out in advance. All right, we're going to do this this trilogy. It's going to cover, you know what I mean, these things. Everything kind of happened almost like divine timing, you know what I mean? Uh, like... Ed was going through his stuff. I was going through my stuff, and it just kind of culminated together to be the perfect, you know, canvas for the perfect moment. You know what I mean? Especially with that first one, um, the grotesque and beautiful. I that one, yeah, that one was. That one kind of started it off and kind of like laid the groundwork for it. But even after that one was done, like. I didn't necessarily think about like expanding on that universe until like I got, you know, kind of halfway through writing and putting together the part and parcel. And I realized like, okay, this is actually the next piece of this. Like it actually is the next piece of this. It's not just tied together in the sense of like a name, right? Because I had done another trilogy before with Black Knight where it kind of follows, you know what I mean? The theme really is like the sound character. It's more like a black exploitation film. You know what I mean? Everything is like loud and kind of like, you know, exaggerated. But this one was just a lot more like uh, personal, you know, and like close to home for me. And uh, I, I needed, you know what I mean? I don't know what it was about Ed's beats that kind of like took me to that place, but I really needed to go there. Mm. And how? what was the origination? Where did you guys meet? How did you guys end up linking up? Yeah, man, I want to say Sequence. Did yeah, some, sequence. yeah, Sequence did a record, and I think Ed produced it. And uh, Sequence is like a good friend of mine, low-key, somebody I learned a lot from as far as like navigating the internet because um, I didn't really know how to do that. I'm not very like personable, you know what I mean? Um, so, yeah, just through him, I think I don't remember even how it was that, that I can't remember if I reached out to Ed or I don't remember what it was that happened. I just remember the first beat that he sent me was that joint uh, for Suicide Hotline 3. Wow. I did that and then it was like I kind of put it all on the back burner for like a couple months. I was real busy. I want to say like. Shit, was we doing the protests and shit? I think I feel like we was doing the protests and shit, like yeah. COVID popping off. And then, uh, really, man, I, I, I did some LSD for the first time, and uh, I just started getting into these beats. And like the first thing I did was exercise, mm. and this was like kind of freestyling. Like I was trying to write, but I couldn't really write all the way. It's kind of where I developed my new, even like style of how I write. You know what I'm saying? My raps. Um, but yeah, it just kind of flowed together. Like almost the first, I want to say like five or six songs on the grotesque and beautiful are in the order that like he just sent them to me. I, I recorded them all that day while I was like tripping. 
and oh. then that's where the story just kind of created itself. Like, you know, it wasn't nothing that was really like planned out. It was just like, all right, this is where I'm at right now. Like, let's run with it. Yeah, I've I've, I've developed a theory that that the reason Ed Glorious beats pull so much out of you is that, or just like anybody that gets an Ed Glorious beat, they end up doing this kind of digging into themselves. And I think Ed will find the like apex soul scream of something. And then he'll wrap it so tight that it's like, it's like beckoning at you. Uh, and I think that is kind of my experience with it. Uh, does that make sense, Keith? Yeah, I mean, he, he, I mean, he's on the call now, but I think Ed does a great job of uh, finding like the essence, you know, that, that, that important part, that soul of the sample and really expanding on it and really highlighting it. You know, he's, he's, he's able to find the essence of it, of the sample. And have you heard this? Have you heard people saying to you, like, you're always pulling the weirdest shit out of me, shit that I didn't necessarily want to talk about? Uh, Teller and Prose, for sure. Oh, yeah. They've yeah, mentioned yeah. that before. So it just depends on, like, the connection with the artist. But I do tend to build strong connections as I'm, like, working with somebody. So we kind of mm -hmm. get on, like, a personal level. I've always noticed that. So if there's a lot of communication. Yeah. Mm. Shout out to Prose, that yeah, great album too. And Ed, what what is your background like? What is your musical background? How did you get into production? Uh, but. I started out really just like vibing to vinyls when I was like real, real young, like six, five, and then uh, started playing in church, drums, bass, mm. things like that, and then uh, tried to make beats probably around 11, 12 on uh, this program called Hip Hop EJ, which it didn't, it didn't really add up to anything. But then uh, it was later on in my teen years, like later teen years where I got a FL Studios, mm -hmm. a cracked version. Yeah, and then uh, started making beats that way, really. Mm. So yeah, I mean, I'm not surprised that you were involved in the church at young because your, your beats do have a sense of soul to them, you know? So that, mm. it makes sense. It checks out. Yeah, that's how I started in music too, man. I started off, uh, I used to sing in a choir and do like all the music for the church. My dad was a pastor. Wow. Um, so I used to play, sing in a church and do all kind of stuff like that. That's where I really got my first start doing that. I used to do, I used to be in like jazz band and all kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. That's dope. The, uh, yeah. And, and Teller's also one of my favorite producers of this year uh, and put a lot of good work in himself. Teller, how would you describe what Ed brings to to this? Uh, what the, what Ed's sound is specifically so signature? Man, honestly, Ed brings everything to the table as far as I'm concerned, because really, like, a lot of me making music, I feel like I'm more of a vessel, you know what I'm saying, to what's, like, going on. So the, like, the... It's like you said, you know what I'm saying? A lot of the times, like, 
he the music that he sends me brings something out of me that I'm not even sure what I'm like make in the moment. You know what I mean? I still go through and like listen to each beat kind of individually, and, and it kind of it, it takes me. You know what I'm saying? I don't know. It just takes me to different places. So really, like I feel like he gets. You know, I try to do my best to give him. You know what I'm saying? Like all the credit that he's due. I know I get a lot of the accolades and shit just because like I'm the rapper. You know what I mean? And so it's easier. A lot of people that are just going to look at it on a surface level are going to give me, you know what I'm saying, what's happening. But, you know, I think why, like, the projects that me and Ed do are so successful, you know what I mean? And not to say that the other projects that I do aren't, or, you know, not to, like, you know, downplay anybody else because I've done good work with other people. But there's just something, like, real special about that, you know what I mean? I'm, I'm real grateful and, like, uh, yeah, no, it's I and I I definitely had that reaction, being like, how could you not do your best work on Finders Keepers? Like, holy smokes! Um, yeah, what's a heck of a beat? It, 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 it maybe that's the spirit of the collaboration, Kay. That like these are two people that are so vividly, uh, like unique, right, and uh, identifiable, right. You play that game with people where you put on a song and you ask them to identify who it is, and the quickest the quickest you can do it. I know an Ed Glorious beat immediately. Yeah, immediately. Um, I don't have to check the credits, and I know when Teller's on the song immediately. You know, I don't have to check the credits. So I think that combined creates something to itself in a way. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's uh, and it yeah. There's a flow to the projects. I have like um, kind of a bumper sticker, uh, flow of the projects breakdown to see see if if I want Teller to correct me if I'm wrong. Teller has all this stuff in in his head. So the grotesque and the beautiful, the mission is to set the environment. Right? There's a lot of characters in grotesque and the beautiful. There's a lot of stories. There's a lot of lives going the wrong way, right? So that gives you the world of this collaboration. Uh, the the part <laughs> parcel, in my mind, that is the go out and get it music. That is that is motivation. Trappers and bandits. That is like I will not be stopped. You know, uh, and this album. The I and I feels like the PTSD album. It feels like after we've gone out and gotten it, and we're alone in our thoughts, and we're just like, oh, you know, I miss these people, you know. Yeah, for sure. Like that, really. I mean, that's pretty spot on, honestly. Um, like as I got further through the grotesque and beautiful, I kind of realized what story telling. Like you know, it was the environment around, like, around where I grew up, essentially, you know what I mean? And what kind of, like, make everybody the way that they are. And it's kind of like a recurring, like, you know what I mean, a recurring thing. It's, it's you know, I've been explaining to a lot of people, like, gang culture is a lot kind of like, uh, like being a military family, you know what I mean? You just kind of grow up and think, like, well, that's what you do. And see all of the stuff and the accolades and the, you know, medals and flags and all this stuff, but you don't really know what all, like, comes with it. 
And so the grotesque and beautiful is kind of from that perspective of like not really even knowing what's like going on yet. You know what I mean? As far as like the things that are actually happening, it's more from like a third person, like narration perspective. You know what I mean? Like I exist in a story, but I'm not like, you know, the main focus. I may be like a couple of songs. Right. And then the part partial is more like first person, like, like you said, kind of like in the moment, in the actual experience of going out and doing all of this stuff, you know, and then the I and I is, you know, basically now, like the current, you know what I mean? Me being 30, looking back on all the stuff that I've been through and all the things that I've done, kind of like new lens of, you know, having a family and like, honored like truly being a different person than I was when I started out you know what I mean and kind of even not I want to say not recognizing even who that person was that I that I used to be but you know feeling more like a spectator of my own life than you know what I'm saying somebody that's actually like experienced it and now being able to analyze and go back and and adjust some of my thinking you know what I mean where there are certain things that I was taught and told that I know now not to be, you know what I'm saying? Even if it's not necessarily false, there's a lot of nuance. There's a lot more nuance to life than you're given, you know what I'm saying, at a young age, um, you know what I'm saying, specifically in the environment, you know what I mean, that I grew up in. Hmm. That's awesome. <laughs> and so I have a question. So was the did you intentionally like so ed did knowing what uh teller was saying did you intentionally tailor the uh production for the for the meaning or message of the of each part of the out i'm sorry each part of the trilogy i don't always know what he's gonna say you see what i'm saying mm -hmm. so a lot of the times it's just like a feeling i have i guess uh each album's been different, the process. So, like, the recent one, we actually did kind of think things out, talk stuff out, and then go in with kind of, like, a plan of, like, the vibes we wanted for each track. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But uh, the ones before, like, the Grotesque and Beautiful and the Part and Parcel, I just created what I felt, and then I felt like they just kind of, like, matched up perfect. Mm. Yeah, it lined up. There was a lot of, like, each time me and Ed did an album, there was, like, some significant wild shit going on. And, like, yeah. both of our, that was, like, not even necessarily something that we would talk about until kind of, like, after or later when we figure out, like, oh, shit, like, yo, okay, like, this is what I've been going through. This is the shit that, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I just feel like that's just kind of the spiritual aspect of work or why it works so well together is... You know what I'm saying? From even not as not having necessarily met each other in person, right? There's just like a, a definitely like a kindred spirit, you know what I'm saying, that's shared amongst them. like even the like I feel like there's a need to create with Ed that's the same like within me. Where it's like it's not just like a uh you know, it's like spiritual practice. Like I need to do this to like feel our mm -hmm. feel that with like yeah with the way that he creates and I feel like that just it just lines up real good mm. yeah that's what I was gonna say Kay I think this collaboration 
comes from shared emotional space. Yeah. Like rather than like an out and out, we're going to talk about this or we're going to do this. It's a shared emotional space from like the beat he does, he, he sends to like how it hits and what it triggers in, uh, in telling that that's like, it's it, it just, it's like that. I guess it's like actors, you know, you remember the behind the scenes stuff on the Sopranos. They were asking the lady, Edie, Edie Falco, like, did you, what did you talk about with, you know, with Gandolfini? And she's like, we never talked. We just knew what we were doing. Yeah. The scene started. We just knew what we were doing, you know? Um, and that seems like what was going on. Oh. Yep. So that's yeah. especially and, part and parcel. Like during the part and parcel, man, I was like disappeared, like cut off from the whole universe. Like you couldn't really get me to respond or really holler back at about nothing. So like that was almost like a complete that one was like a different process of probably any album that I've ever done, just mm -hmm. because so like going from the studio, like I live in the studio, you know what I mean? So it kind of affords me a different uh, ability when I'm like making my songs to be a little bit more free with it, right? Or like a little more loose in the ways that I can create and kind of like create as I go versus mm -hmm. like really being out, like having these beats on my phone and writing in my phone and really writing songs down so I don't forget what I mean, steps that I'm trying to do. So like I feel like the part and parcel is probably the most like lyrically driven of the three, just because every song that's on there is really like written, like processed out before I even record. Whereas like the grotesque and the I not or like I don't want to say like emotionally driven in a bad way. Like I still feel like the the lyrical content it is top tier, but all of it like made in the moment in the feeling so like the feelings in each song like very strong you know what i'm saying yep part and parcel is a little more like i don't want to say subdued in that aspect but it's more of like you know yeah it's just more happening than actual like lyrics of it whereas like you know you were saying the finest keepers just like it feels good like you don't really pay attention to what's going on like the instrumental and the feel of the song is just good enough to kind of like make people want to listen to it. Yeah. I was going to ask about the part and parcel specifically, Ed, like it feels very much like the most exciting part of the movie, you know? Okay. Like it, it you know, the beginning of the movie, you set what's going to happen, right? The end of the movie, you conclude it. And that middle you're sweating. And then you're like you're riveted, and if part and parcel is is moving at a, a faster pace than any of the other ones, I think is that does that make sense? Is it? If yeah, it does. Horns, there's more. Yeah, yeah, that was makes that, sense. I'm sorry. Was that intentional to to make it to pump up the the volume or the BPM or to get it moving? I don't know if it was intentional. Like, I just, I'm more of a go with the flow. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I think it just happened, and it was just the right thing to do. 
it, it must have just happened and you 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 kind of saw what you had done and the trend you were on it was like okay let's do this yes. yeah, exactly yeah. that's all awesome. yeah a little more turned up at that uh point in time so i feel like a lot of the stuff that i was making was just more like either like gritty and cold or like kind of more like you know more hype you know but i feel like it's funny like the i and i feels to me like the part and parcel mixed with the grotesque and beautiful mm, exactly good way put yeah crazy because it wasn't on purpose I, I i don't remember what i'm pretty sure the first the first song that i did was still the first one that ended up being on the record that friends joined yeah. but like Ooh. yeah yeah, it was. I I just remember it was kind of like every beat sent me just felt a little bit like different. You know, it felt bigger. Like, oh no, it just felt like we were both in a different bag. We kind of took a I feel like we took our biggest time. Like, I don't want to say like off of communication or off of working with each other, but I feel like we kind of you know both did our. We were both doing our own thing for a little bit. You know what I mean? And then came back and we each had like a whole new bag that we were in. Yeah. Yeah. And what was so like what was the timeline for the project? Like when did you start uh the grotesque? And then when did you like start the uh middle out middle part album? And then when did you start the third one? Let me see. Let's see, when did I start this? I'm trying to look right now. So, damn, all right. The Grotesque and Beautiful, I started in uh, March 2020. Okay. Like, right before COVID, I recorded uh, Suicide Hotline. Let me see. But I didn't really start getting into it for real until, oh, shit, I guess like three weeks later. So, yeah. So, pretty much in like March... Let me see what the part parts of about. I've never thought about that, honestly. That's a good question. Because, I mean, like, when I think about these these three projects, it feels like it's been, I mean, COVID has kind of stretched time and whatnot. But it's only been two years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Not for real. Shit. It's saying I started the part and parcel in October, but that don't sound right. A 2021? There's no way I did it that fast. Nah. When did you first send me them beats? I don't know, man. That's, yeah, and these three albums feel so connected. Yeah. Like, it's, uh, it's just real interesting. They don't, yeah. Sometimes a series loses its foundation. This one so firmly knows what it's doing. It's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I mean the momentum. You you can sense the momentum, and I, I think because you know it's only been two years to have three projects in two years. Uh, it's signifies to me that you're you're really capitalizing on momentum. Okay. <laughs> Actually, in like February. That makes sense. Yeah. Mm. February of 2021. And then when they hit friends. 
if it's all around the same time, I'll be like, damn, that's crazy. <laughs> you were doing a lot. You were doing a lot. That should be March. Working the on I that. I, we started in March, right? We started working on the I and I in March, yeah. Yeah, because I called you in February going through that one stuff I found out. And then I was like, let's start the project. <laughs> and we both agreed. So we always get it going around March. And then it'd be dropping about six, seven months later. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. So, yeah, and that's a good, I was going to ask Teller. You, the, the, there's something about, you, we talked about freedom, right, this year, right? With you releasing Skullface and you wanting to sing and wanting to be happy and wanting freedom in your art to not be kind of caged within the expectations of anyone. Uh, the Talk about the emotional uh, variety that Ed Glorious is able to provide in the production. Like, is it a comfortable place for you? Is it an uncomfortable place for you? Man, nah, he just, bro, Ed works like a maniac. He sent me a package of beats. I, I, I have so many Ed Glorious beats in my computer, I don't even know if I ever have counted them, but I know it's like hundreds of them. You know oh. what I mean? You really go through a lot of beats for each project. And in this particular, a lot of the other projects were kind of like just recorded in a way where it was like, when I finished the last song, I knew. And this, I probably recorded another like five or six songs that ended up not making the album. Um, so this was the one where like, so all of the other albums, they were done in a short period of time. Like the grotesque and beautiful, you know what I mean? I probably got that first beat and then sat on everything for a minute. But once I started going, like the whole of Grotesque and Beautiful was was recorded and finished in like two weeks. And then all from there wow. was just planning out a time to drop it, right? right? And then like the part and part was written in like over a span of like probably like a month or two and then recorded all within like probably a week or so just because, you oh. know, it was done. Um, with the I and I, like we really started, I really like spaced it out, like. I was recording a lot of different things at the time. I was recording stuff for myself. I was recording, uh, you know, I was even recording stuff for Skullface around the time that I was doing stuff for the I-9. And so uh, these songs, like, span a lot further apart. So that whole, like, I probably recorded the last few songs for the album. Like, you know, if I recorded that first song March 8th, then... You know, some of the last songs on the album got finished in like August. So this one has a lot further like span of time. You know what I mean? Terms of like me getting in and recording the songs and really taking time, you know, to put songs together. You know, and I feel like it's kind of like, I don't know. I feel like of all of the projects that I not listen to. You know what I mean? Like, it's a good one. Even though it's the last one, like, I could see it being the best one for somebody to start with. You know, go back through the other ones. You know what I mean? Because, you know, I don't know. It's just, I feel like it has the most, like, broad appeal to it. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. It's, uh, it, yeah, you've got the range from Fetty Wap to the truth, the whole thing. Um, 
Yeah, like you said, it has elements of both of the previous parts of the trilogy in it. So, you know, you're right. That's the most accessible one, I would yeah. say. And I honestly, bro, I was like, man, I thought for a minute there, I was like, all right, if this album doesn't do well, like, I'm probably just going to pack it up for a minute. You know what I mean? And just <laughs> right. Because I was getting real frustrated just with a lot of stuff that was going on just in my personal life and like, you know, when things are kind of hard in both areas, like you can't quit your regular life. So you just be willing to like stop. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like <laughs> I just was in like a spot where it was like, you know, I had a lot of anxiety about this album, more than I've had for anything I've ever released or anything I've ever done. I probably have at least 10 different final mixes of every song. I did the astronaut on every on every record. So like, you know, it was like if it wasn't for Ed, like, I don't know when this album would have came out because I was so in my head about everything that was going on that it was like I really leaned on him, like, probably the most through this album, through the process of making this album than I did on any other joint. Like, he probably heard the songs more in advance done on this album than any other album. You know what I mean? As far as, like, really sitting with it and being able to live with it and, like, you know listen to it before it was done because a lot of the other stuff was done like kind of like bang bang and then it just existed like that and then when it was time to come out it was like on this one it was like yo i need you to listen to these mixes all right i need mm -hmm. you to listen tomorrow you know the next day i'm like yo i got a whole new set of mixes on every song i need you to listen to them give me notes on every last one of them you know what i mean yeah. and like yeah you know you they, that was the first the process was really like you know, I just felt like a lot was riding on it. And, like, for me, I, it really wasn't, you know what I mean, on, like, an actual, like, career level, right? Just, like, on a personal level, you know what I mean? I felt like I had a lot riding on this album just because it felt like one of the most personal ones to me as well. You know what I mean? Mm. But, yeah, just, like, the best that we've seen off of it, it really, like, helped me, you know what I'm saying, even, like, go forward with some of the other projects that I'm working on and even, like, get ready. Me and Ed are already starting. So, you know, really kind of put that battery back on my back as far as even, like, you know, figuring out the whys of, you know what I'm saying, what I'm actually doing. Mm. Yeah. No, it's... Um, yeah, I, I, and, it, and it makes sense because I, it... That fits the creative process, Kay? That, like, mm -hmm. the beginning of the creative process is fun as hell. You have a blank canvas, and you go wherever you want to go. You have every option. Um, but once you got, once you developed the story, once you developed where you want to go, and you care about what you're doing to, like, just a much greater extent, then... Yeah. Like I gotta stick this fucking land, like, mm. right? Yeah. So I, I 100% have been there. Uh, it's it's <laughs> yeah, it's kind of you know what I mean, like especially when it's getting to a point where you know, like the numbers actually do matter as far as like trying to stay like a career or even like sponsorships or or stuff like that to work like you know, or when you're just expressing yourself and you're kind of just hoping for stuff right it's different than when you kind of have expectations that are put on you it's no longer like a, a you know you're just hoping wishing for results you really gotta like plan and execute 
because there are consequences to take, you know, and not just you for the other people that are involved in the project as well. Like, I don't know, this one just felt like it had a lot of high stakes to it. And it was very gratifying, you know what I mean, to even see like a lot of the support and like a lot of, you know, things that have come from doing the album, you know, it kind of like, it was like a much confirmation at the time, you know what I mean? Everything was going on. Really wasn't sure how to kind of go at that point. Right. So Ed, I, I would ask Ed, Ed, what was your relationship to the I and I at this point? Like, how were you feeling about the project and the process during the creation of it? Nervous. Uh, oh, wow. <laughs> really, at the beginning, I didn't even know where to start beat wise or anything but uh and throughout of it throughout the process just like i began to get more confident but at the same time as he was explaining himself it's like i could hear how good the music was and everything and you're just like all right well this next beat teller teller's good at guiding me on uh what he wants to rap on so like we'll get a canvas like we'll get like five six songs in and he'll start like steering me like maybe something a little along these lines. And he'll leave me creative room to uh, find the samples I want and whatnot. But uh, really, before that process, when we started building up a nice little amount of songs, I was just kind of nervous going into the whole thing. Because we uh, coming off of the part and parcel and the grotesque and beautiful, I felt like those were real big shoes to fill. Mm. Like those albums were really good to me. So... I was just kind of sitting there like, man, I, I didn't know what direction uh, initially I wanted to take, you know what I mean, beat-wise on mm -hmm. sound selection and whatnot. So I think uh, anxiety is a good word to use throughout the whole process, probably. <laughs> yeah. So towards the end, though, there was a level of confidence where I knew we had crafted something that was really great. But at the <laughs> beginning, I was just kind of nervous. Was was there like a song or moment where it like both clicked for you guys? Like, okay, this we got this. We can relax now. Like, this is everything is where it's supposed to be. Mm. Uh, so we had done. I think he said friends first. There's another. He had done two more songs, and I don't think he even made the project though. The final cut. I think it was when I got pop star mm. ride with me. And then, uh, see, I can't remember. I think Fetty, Fetty Wap was later in the process. Yeah, Fetty Wap was Finders. Later. Yeah, that's what I thought. Uh, I don't know. It was just like after those first like five or six, I can't remember exactly. It, it, it just all felt right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Coming together. Yeah. It was like uh, friends, like when, when Ed first sent me the pack of beats, it was the first time that he sent me beats and like I didn't start writing like immediately. Like I listened through usually like so it'll even tell you like sometimes I don't even get through all of the beats until like we start on the album again and then I'll start going through it and I'll accidentally end up listening to some old shit and being like, yo, is this still available? And it'd be <laughs> first out sessions and figure out, you know what I'm saying, if you send it to somebody else or whatever. So like I kind of, it was the first time I kind of listened through to the beats. And uh, it was like, when I heard the beat for Ride With Me, I just knew, I was like, okay, I'm not ready to like even try to attempt this one yet. I need to go back to that first beat and really like, sit about it. and like, 
you know, I was going through some shit, like falling out with some friends, and like I had, I, I had a real bad falling out with one of like my, my closest friends. You know what I'm saying? Like some stuff that probably just can't. I don't know if it could be reconciled type of stuff. You know what I'm saying? And so it was just like I really was. You know what I'm saying? It was like late at night, and I was just laying in bed, like thinking about just stuff, and. I just remember, like, I put my headphones in, I put that friends beat on, and it was just like, okay, like, I, I just started writing, you know what I mean? And then I was like, all right, like, every song that I wrote, like, going into the beginning was kind of like, I don't know how to explain it. It was just like, it was directly inspired by some shit that I had, like, just experienced that day, scene or like something, you know what I mean? And I was just kind of like, all right, just kind of letting it happen. And then, you know, yeah, it was like we hit a point where I like I knew where we would, where I where I wanted to go with it. Even like I didn't even know what I was going to first. I had a whole different name for the project and everything, and then I finally realized like, oh, okay, this is what it is. Like, you know, that's awesome. No, that's that's incredible story. And I was going to ask you, one of my favorite things about Teller is is these confoundingly marvelous hooks. Right, that that I can't get enough of. Right, and some of them, re-listening to the three, I was just overwhelmed by them. And I was like, there has to be hooks when you got the song back, where you were like, I didn't even, I couldn't have even imagined that. Like, do you do you have any that stuck out? Or Uh, initially on the I and I, it was a pop star, well, pop star and Fetty Wap. I was just like, I, I was blown away. You know yeah. what I mean? I was like awestruck. That's the thing is like, so I'll send him a beat and you kind of like in your head, you envision what you think mm-hmm. Teller would do. And then he just goes above and beyond what you think he's going to do. Do you see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So like when I sent those beats, I was like, oh yeah, I know he's going to do something real dope on this. And then I just, I was blown away when I got those joints back. Uh, I mean, there's so many to be honest. Anytime, like... <laughs> It just happened over and over again on this, uh, on every project. To be to be real, I mean, did you get any prior warning that the Wuha shit was gonna happen? No. <laughs> no, that must have been a first listen for the ages. That must have been awesome. Yeah, that was, it took me by surprise. It was awesome. Yeah. And then Cannon able to off on the Spotify, so I feel like that was real cool, because, like, you know, Buster Rhymes like, one of my favorite rappers, even especially when I was a kid, like, and I just remember, like, I've always watched, like, uh, performances, like, I grew, you know, the house, we watched every Saturday Night Live, we watched every award show, everything that there was gonna be, like, live music on, every late show that there was a performer, like, I watched him. And it was like, man, the rappers was down bad. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of rappers are just not good live performers. And so whenever a rapper would perform live and impress me, it would, like, really stick with me. And Buster Rhymes was, like, one of the first rappers I remember seeing perform live where I was like, oh, okay, like, this is how you do that shit. Or, like, one of the first rappers that I seen in the video where I was like, you know, when you're a kid, like, you know, I don't know, like, you like girls, but at a certain point, it's kind of almost, like, intimidating. And so, like, a lot of the shit that was out when I was a kid, like, the videos, you know, it was hard for me to really connect with because I just wasn't there yet with, like, having, you know what I'm saying, like, those type of... 
like desires yet when you're like eight or nine. But I remember the, all of the Busta Rhymes videos was just like very cinematic, like, you know, yeah. I felt like, you know, there was like a different type of level of artistry behind, you know? And so I felt like he didn't get a lot of, like, you know, the credit that I feel like a lot of cats get or the second wind even in a career that some of these um, so I just wanted to make sure that I paid like my, you know, personal homage just to that. Cause like a lot of that, you know what I mean? When I think about it is like the reason why I can even be kind of like more free with the way that I rap and have people respect it. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Is because Buster Rhymes kind of like opened that door for that type of like wild charisma. You know what I mean? And like be as well, but like, you know, that's a whole type of vibe, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, but I, I think the one of the things I like the most about Kane and Abel and how you were able to capture that is like you you captured that you it has to be the largeness of the voice, right? You filled the whole universe with your voice, like in that song. And that's what Busta did, right? Busta stepped in and was like, you know, there's nothing but me in this huge coat. Like I don't give a fuck. Um, and that's amazing. Uh, that, that that you really captured that. But Kay, in terms of some of my favorite hooks in the trilogy, Genesis. Mm. Sucks. Yeah. It's such a good hook that skunks in the middle of the song is just like, this is one of the best songs I've ever been on. And just, just says it. It's awesome. This is my man too. Like he's a real cool dude too. Um yeah, man, I, that beat, that one in Moses, I remember, like, though that was just everything that I needed when he sent me, though. But when I finally got the pack, I don't remember if he had sent him new and I listened to him or if I finally just got down to him was like, holy shit. But I remember even, like, uh, on the part and parcel, like, just kind of uh, everything felt, like, more conversational. Like, even my voice felt, like, different on that album than normally it is. Like, everything a little bit softer, you know? Even though it was, like, songs that wasn't, like, I felt like it was more my natural speaking tone that I was even rapping in versus, like, you know, I don't know. I rap in a more animated voice and tone, you know? Um, but, like, that genesis just felt different. I felt like I was just, like, breathing words, you know what I'm saying? And the beat just brought. Uh -huh. You know, perfectly. I don't even remember how I came up with the hook. I'm pretty sure I just was like freestyle and that whole song just like because uh, I, you know, the way I write now is more or less like you know, just like singular words or like phrases. I kind of have like an idea in my mind and then I, I kind of, uh, you know, a lot of the words, I don't want to say is like filled in, but it's like I don't want to lock myself into any set of like syllables or like deliver it because a lot of the times I, I'll mess myself up you know, trying to read it or trying to wrap it exactly how we're writing it and sometimes I'll catch into a better flow if I just allow myself to be more free with it and, um that was one of them songs where I just like I maybe wrote like eight bars of stuff and then like just started going with it and I probably have like seven or eight takes of that verse and they're all different um and then that one was the one that ended up being like the perfect, you know, setup. But 
I don't remember how I ended up connecting with Skunks on that song. Me and him had just been locked in, like, talking about the other stuff, you know what I'm saying? And uh, I just remember thinking, like, he would be a good, like, change of pace, you know what I'm saying, from how I was rapping. Because, like, you know, sometimes, like, I feel like when I send out features, like, some people will try to, like, not necessarily even, like, in a bad way, but they'll kind of follow suit with what I'm doing on the record. And I knew that, like, Skunks was just going to do some whole different shit. Like, that's just how he is. You know what I'm saying? So I knew that it would be, like, a good, like, and I already had, like, line sequence of doofus for, um, for that next joint. So it was either going to be, like, Skunks or Prose, and I went with Skunks because I had never did a song with him before. Awesome. Kay, put you on the spot yeah. here. It's a fun game. I'm going to ask you to pick your favorite Ed Glorious beat on each project. Oh, man. Uh, I could let me go first. Yes, please do. <laughs> Since I'm putting you on the darn spot. Uh, okay. um, so I'm going to go, I'm going to go in reverse order. I'm gonna I'm gonna start with the I and I, and I'm gonna take okay. Kane as my pick. You said Kane and Abel. No, that's that's from a different one. Sorry, that's from a different one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm gonna go with demons. Let's go demons. So demons Great. on that, and then I'm gonna we got the part and parcel. I'm gonna because Amos was on part and parcel. I was looking at that. Uh, I'm gonna go steel on the part part. Steel is hard as shit. Uh, love it so much. And let me see, plus grotesque and the beautiful. Okay, did you know when I when I pull up Teller Banks in my Bandcamp, I have two rows of Teller Banks. Two rows. This. It's done a, he's done a lot of projects, so it makes no, sense. Um, that's tough. That's tough. I love Grotesque and the Beautiful so much. I'm probably going to go with... I'm going to go with the cycle. The cycle. Dark Horse. Uh, because it was oh, tough. Yeah. The Piggy piggy Pop is unbelievable. Uh, yes. Yeah, great beat. Uh, but I'm going to go with the cycle. You, would you, give me one for uh, me. I'll go. Um, so from the grotesque and beautiful, I liked the poet, which uh, was right before Piggy Pop. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, I mean, for the part in the parcel, I think my favorite was Psalms, the opener. Right. I, I loved, I loved Psalms. I thought it was like a great set the tone for the whole album, and it's just great. And then. For I and I, I'm going to have to go. I think it, it everything really started to click for me for I and I, uh, starting at Cain and Abel. Mm. Yep. Nope. Just yeah. want to get that out there. Do you, have, do you have any runs on the I and I that you love, especially? Run of songs? Oh, uh, me? I mean, yeah, starting, as I said, from Cain and Abel. Finders, Keepers, Pages, and Hitman. Ooh, yep, yep, yep. Yeah, that brings me to the 
to the guest star segment because the hitman i got it we have to talk about it there was a recent uh episode of call out culture it was a while ago but they asked who who would you buy stock in and zilla said teller banks uh is stock because you you want a stock that's going to appreciate right uh and you're you're coming up beautiful and i think akeem issue is like that as well oh yeah i would definitely back in our king man he's one of the best rappers i've ever heard uh like anywhere he like inspired me to like want to rap back um he I, he's been my he's been my good friend for like shit i don't even know how many years now like here um vic like introduced us low key on like uh just like on on the tweet like mentioned us both together that he liked both of our music or some shit and then me and him just kind of like connected and uh, you know we've gotten pretty close. Like, but um, man, he's like an incredible artist. Like some of the stuff that he does is like incredible to me. Like, yeah. As a lyric, like uh, you know, just even like conceptually, man, he's he's on a different level sometimes. And the range of issue is 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 startling, right? Like there are times where I'm listening to an Akim issue project. And I'm like, man, this is this is like the new Q-tip. This is incredible. And then like the next song is just filthy and amazing, you know. And I'm like, wow, he's, he sounds like a different artist. Like, uh, he just he's got so much variance and range. But the flow, I love. It seems very important to the universe of these projects. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, man, I. I... I need me and Akeem supposed to do an album together for a long time. We actually started, I want to say like tentatively started working on it, but somebody I feel like definitely deserves more, um, you know, I don't want to say like deserves more recognition in a bad way, right. but like definitely somebody that I feel like just needs to get seen. He's got that kind of talent where it's just like anybody that likes music sees that shit and is going to appreciate it. Yeah, the problem with calling someone underrated is it makes it sound like they're losing. But, but they're not. Like, uh, people, the, the audience is losing out on hearing Akimish, right? Like, they need to be able to just enjoy that and lock in there. Uh, but the whole series has been a showcase for just unique voices, right? Doof, Sequence, you know, flashes Clayton, uh, people with very different flows. Uh, Guys. And who was who are some of your favorite guest features on that? On the on this impressive verse. Man, I gotta think about that for a second. Definitely, I came on both joints. Um, man. Really, all of them, honestly. Like, uh, you know, the song pages with AJ Swade is like one of my favorite joints. Um, just because, of, like, I don't know, like, he just he really, he really, he's a good rapper, you know. You know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, that was one of my favorite ones. I'm trying to think who else is on the I and I. It's Akeem. Oh, uh, pop star man. With, Red uh, money. money. Red money's great. Yeah. Man, like my homie for real, for real. Uh, 
from Des Moines. Oh no, he's not actually from Des Moines. He lives in Des Moines, uh, but he live out here. He's been living here since like high school. I'm pretty sure. But um, yeah, he just kind of bullied his way onto the song too. Like he was just in the studio. I was working on it. I had recorded it. It was like playing new stuff, and he was like, "I got a verse for this." You know what I'm saying? And like, he's a good rapper. Somebody that like, uh, I'm real like standoffish. You know what I mean? I don't like working with a lot of people. I really like say no to a lot of people. And um, he hit me up about doing some music like around the time when I, I want to. I don't want to say when I first moved to the morning, but like when I first started like like stuff. Um, you know, people vouched for him and said, oh, no, he can rap, you know what I mean? Like, work with him. So, like, he sent me a beat, and I gave him a verse on it, but he never put nothing on it. And so, like, I just, like, wrote it off. Every time he'd be like, yo, I get in the with you, I just wouldn't respond to it. And um hosted this, like, rap, like, uh, we did an album, it's called 1810, where we kind of, like, hosted a lot of the artists in town um, just to come through to the studio you know, work on songs and put beats together. And we did a lot of songs, like collaboration songs. And uh, he really stood out of the project. Like, he hopped on a couple of joints and really, like, he was really rapping his ass off. And so I was kind of like, okay, like, no, you actually are a rapper. So that kind of, like, sparked the friendship. But then we just started spending, you know what I'm saying? He just started coming through, like, hanging out, kicking it, smoking and shit. And, uh, yeah, started just hopping on songs. And Popstar was one of the first ones that he really, like, hopped on and it was like it just kind of felt it just fit perfect um the whole energy and vibe of the song but yeah he was probably my favorite i just because it was like it wasn't even like planned or thought about he was the one i didn't even originally plan on having no features on i and i but then once he did that and got on there and it was like well shit he's just kind of like you know ambushed the album so i was like fuck it all right i'll let some other folks hop on there I sent uh, Akeem the Hitman joint. And then I think I just did a feature for AJ Sway. So it was like just mind to uh, send him one of the joints. And it was a good thing that I sent him the joint that I did because the other one I was going to send him ended up getting cut from the project. Because uh, I ain't going to lie, I put um, like, I put this verse on there and I couldn't remember if I had already put it on something else, but I thought I might have a while back and didn't put it out. I just couldn't find the song. And I was like, man, this verse is incredible. Like, I need to put this verse on something. And uh, it ended up going on um, Sleep, the Voodoo Box. Um, oh, the Voodoo Box. Yeah, so, yeah, with, yeah. That's with that feature. Oh, and uh, they finally, like, hit me up, like, you know, yo, yo, finally dropped the, the joint. I was like, oh, okay, bet. So it was, like, perfect timing, like, right before, you know what I'm saying, I put it out or whatever. But, right. yeah, it was almost disastrous. <laughs> Not disastrous. You know what I'm saying? It's one of those situations where it's like, I'm kind of, like, touching on songs. So once the vibe is fucked up, it's like, oh, that song's ruined. Fuck it. Throw right. shit away. But, uh... uh the, uh, the other thing is, Ed... I can't picture Piggy Pop without Sleep Sinatra. He just yeah. seemed like the only one who could have done that. Yeah. And Sleep Perfect. is a good oh. the... What were you saying, Ed? Yeah, he's the perfect fit for Piggy Pop. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, it's a great feature there. Um, yeah. No, the... the it's so, a... Ed, were there any of the collaborations of the projects that you were really fond of in particular uh doofus 
on uh Moses. That's mm-hmm. one of my favorite ones. Mm. Awesome. Same with Rent Money as well. And I, I wasn't even familiar with Rent Money. That song just got he, Teller sent that. I was like, yo, who's this? <laughs> <laughs> I love yeah. that one as well. Doof, the thing about Doof is that Doof is so funny and wild that you I forget that you forget how intelligent and calculated he is. Like Doof is awesome. Like I yeah. Yes. Every single time I re-listen to Doof, I feel like, you know, I have to get retaught by Doof how many layers there are. You know? Uh, <laughs> it's real cool. Exactly. Yeah, yeah he's oh. And and this is this is the best sequence has been. Like I think sequence is is at his best right now. Yes. Yeah. yeah. He must be making some good music, man. Hell yeah. I told him. Yeah. He must be making good music and like he's a good dude too. He's a real good dude. Mm-hmm. Yep. That uh Kay, I was gonna move towards recommendation corner unless yeah. you have no. So the uh first thing I would want to recommend here, I was I've joined Kay, I've joined Open My Secret Club uh Patreon thing. Okay. Somebody on there recommended an album called Painless by Nilufer Yanya. It's real dope. Painless by Okay, how do you spell that? N I L U F E R. Okay. And Yanya Y A N Y A. Okay. It's like uh, she's from the UK. Uh, it's very much seems like that that brand of music that like Nico from the Velvet Underground started, of this kind of sparse emotional uh, folk rock soul thing. You know, uh, it's real dope. I really like it. Uh, what else came out? Oh, Josh Virtue Rama is wild. Josh Virtue's dope. Uh, from Chicago. Yeah, he's he's always got interesting things to say. And Archibald Slim dropped an album just a little t- today, actually. Uh-huh. Uh, Worldly Ways, and it's a smooth. Archibald Slim got a very smooth, slick flow to him. I like it. Uh, yeah. So those, I think those are what I'm going to stick with. Oh, I got good news, Kay. We have a we have tiers to the Patreon. Someone from the higher tiers, I reached out and I said, you get to recommend, because you pay me so much, you get to recommend what album I should review. Mm-hmm. Gave me a list of albums as, as options. And Styles P, uh, Gangster and a Gentleman was on it. So I'm about to lock in on that. I'm going to have a lot of fun writing about that. So that's a a heck of an album for me. So uh, everybody has their own favorite locks member uh, and styles is mine. So I'm going to, I'm going to do that justice. Um, So yeah, that's what's happening on my end of things. Uh, Ed, what are you listening to? Give us some recommendations. Been listening to that new Jid album. Oh, the Forever Stuff. Like a lot. 
like a lot. <laughs> yeah. So that, that's pretty much what I've been playing outside of like beats and stuff. Fun to listen to. Fun to. Yeah, it's a really great listen. Has a lot of different uh, unique sounds I didn't expect to hear on his project. Uh, I think Teller should go on tour with him. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> that fan base makes sense. That's like, right? Yeah. Yeah. They would love Teller. So I, I just, uh, that's what I've been listening to, really. Oh, so. man. And then Teller gets an Ari Lennox feature? Yeah. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah no. What? No feature. No feature. The, uh, you want a J. Cole feature? That would be nah. fun. That would be fun. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, that that's awesome. Uh, Kay, what are you, what are you bumping? What are you doing? Oh man, um, nothing, nothing new of recent. But I did go back to Billy Woods' last album that he released. I and I'd never heard it before. Kind of. Which one were you listening to? Um, let me pull it up. It's the new one, Churches. I oh, believe. Church, Church is the new one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. I mean, he he dropped that kind of quietly, and I. Yeah. So I've I've just been I've been enjoying that. Yeah. No, I I really love that stuff too. It, and it's a situation, a similar situation where Messiah has been working with Woods so long, they have a language to themselves. It's really cool, um, mm. which I really like. Um, Kay, do you do you have Showtime? Uh, I I can watch it. Yeah, I think my friend does, so I can. If you get together with your friend. There's a mess of a show on Showtime that is oh, absolutely gosh. hilarious, uh, called American Gigolo. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> this is, it's an unbelievable show. I need to tell you a little bit of the cat. John Bernthal is a gigolo, right? Which makes sense because <laughs> he's got a boxer's nose and a mixed martial artist's ears, right? It's, it all works out. But uh, the, the tough cop is uh, Rosie O'Donnell, right? And <laughs> John Bernthal's best friend from gigoloing is Wayne Brady. All making sense. Uh, so this is—it's a massive show. It is—it is all over the place, and it is hilarious. So uh, I am—I am riveted by it. You know, real money goes into this shit, and I can't—I can't get enough. Uh, I'm intrigued now. They need content, so they'll throw it up there, and we'll see if it gets, you know, figure it out in season three. Uh, but yeah. It's <laughs> Uh, Big names. Yeah, watch American Gigolo and uh, ask yourself what the fuck is going on. Uh, yeah. So, Teller, what do you listen to? Give us some recommendations. Oh, shit. I've been listening to that Freddie Gibbs album. Woo! That shit's pretty good. Mm. Uh, the album is pretty good. I thought STG raps just like me, but, like, in a good way. Like, I feel like he's, like, you know, I don't know. I always pick somebody where I'm like competing with. Where I'm like, all right, I'll do. I do that way better though. You know, what I mean? <laughs> that's how I feel about him right now. But he's making some good music. No, um, the, the who else I've been listening to? Baby Money. He got a new album that's out. Uh, Sleep Sinatra album. Just listened to for the first time. Uh, actually, earlier today. Oh, it's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah, I think. Hopefully, 
don't know how you name. Um, but he's dope. Um, that was a, that was a good look. I, that made me happy for him. That he, uh, you know, sleep's been dope for him. He's one of the guys I remember too when I first started rapping. That kind of like was already around doing shit. You know what I mean? So it's dope to kind of see him getting his his. Um, I was I've been listening to the Rolling Streets album. I'll be listening to a lot of music all day, honestly. Yeah. I didn't really get into the Jet album too much, but yeah. Oh, and this uh this cat and little Jeremy, I'll be listening to. I'll be listening to a lot of like reckless, like wild shit. I don't know how to explain it. Like I take my time and listen to like you know, whatever's like popping in the underground. Um, and but I try not to listen to a lot of stuff because I feel like uh. I don't know, just depending on what kind of music I'm working on at the time, I don't like to, uh, you know, I don't know. I just don't like to be pulling in different stuff. I like to kind of stay in my zone. And and to, it, in defense of your point, Teller, I can say definitively, as someone who listens to a, just a shitload of this music, yeah. underground music takes a lot out of me. Like, if I'm listening to three underground albums in a row about somebody's life falling apart, I want a little bit, <laughs> little TJ. Like I want, you know, throw me something uh, that I can smile at a little bit. You know, <laughs> um, it's just been hard. Uh, there's some albums where I've been listening to. I'm like, I respect this, but damn, I got shit to do today. I can't. <laughs> you know. Yes. No, I had a like all kind of music. I used to be a real music snob. Like I used to only listen to like you know quote unquote real hip hop I didn't like shit like that was out or and you know what I mean there was only a little bit of shit I always was exposed to shit and like you know I, I, I like the cash money shit when I was like younger growing up just because it had kind of you know it had a kind of vibe to it but I was really you know I don't know it took me like getting older to really even have like appreciation for like different type of sounds type of music, you know what I mean? Like, a lot of people hate Young Thug. Like, he's one of the, like, most hated in, like, our community, right? Of, like, as far as, like, rappers go. But really, he was one of my main inspirations as far as, like, even rapping. Because a lot of the time, like, you know, if I really, like, slow down and, like, enunciate and force myself to do it, like, you know, I can, I can speak pretty well. But, like, I have a lot of issues with, like, pronunciation and, like, all kind of stuff. And so when I really get free and start rapping, like, sometimes it's a little bit hard to understand me, you know what I mean? And so, like, Young Thug was really one of the rappers that gave me the confidence to even be able to just rap in a way that's comfortable for me to rap. And, like, part of the reason why my music is a lot better than it was when I first, like, started making music, you know what I mean? Because I was obsessed with, like the pronunciation and enunciation of every word and syllable and chopping all my syllables so perfectly and, you know what I mean, making sure my, all of my, everything was just pronounced in a way that was, like, clean and, and crisp. And, you know, that really just kind of, like, opened the, the hearing that and hearing the response to it being just, like, you know, people fucked with it. Yeah. It just kind of, like, got to be a more, like, loose and free even with the way that I record, so that kind of, like, opened me up to really listening to a lot more stuff than I feel like I would normally listen to and gaining, like, a newer appreciation for just, like, the different types of talent that come with, you know what I'm saying, like, vocal performance as far as rap goes. Because lyricism is, like, one 
You know what I mean? I know a lot of people who can write a lot of like great shit that can't really rap for shit. You know what I mean? Uh, so it's just kind of different levels to all kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean that that story reminds me of like what we always say on here, Kay, that like you are initially taught when you're a creative person to work on your weaknesses, but mm -hmm. reality you should be working on your strengths. Right? Like your strengths are what I don't know. I feel like it could go either way. You know what I mean? I feel like I wouldn't be, you know what I'm saying, as good as I am now if I didn't go through them phases. And I feel like part of the issue with like a lot of the people that's making music right now is because everything is so like um I don't want to say everything is so based, but everything is so in like it's so formulaic, it's so algorithm based, right? That a lot of people are just doing that one thing that works. And so then it's like, you know, like not to like rap on the girl because everybody already been doing it, but like you get situations with like the Ice Spice Girl where it's like, okay, it works. And now you're at the height of your shit, but you don't have any other real tangible skills. You got to start up with the that you've gotten to because all of your, all of your, you know what I'm saying, whatever you want to call it, if you're talking about 2K, my player, or whatever, right. all of your, you know what I'm saying? You don't have yeah. your other staff enough to like diversify the game to keep people in game. You know what I mean? So I feel like there is something to like, you know, the grind period. And I feel like all of the best like artists and producers and stuff that's out right now, they have those grind periods under their belt. You know what I mean? When you really think about it, they have those times where it was like shit wasn't really working out well or people didn't really fuck with it. You know what I'm saying? And it eventually that mode where it kind of clicked. Like, I feel like there's a lot more like that's when it comes that way versus like, you know what I'm saying, the other way. And I feel like there are people who have made it, you know what I'm saying, on both sides, but I definitely feel like it's important, you know what I'm saying, especially like in the beginning of like trying to like really work on your craft, you know what I mean, to be that critical on yourself and, you know what I mean, like being your biggest critical in that you know, and it also helps to have around you like i said earlier about even finishing the album it helps to have people around you that can you know yeah. kind of outweigh the doubts that you have in your own mind sometime but a lot like what's gonna drive you to be like great you know what i'm saying like it's not even that you doubt yourself it's just that you know you feel a, like uh urgency to improving you know what i mean no, it's it, trial and error knowledge, right? Trial and error, like, gains. And uh, if you come up naturally, you know, you can go left on your first project, go right on the second project. You know, you can you can show your audience, look, hang out with me. You can trust me. I'm going to make choices, but it's going to work out, you know? <laughs> Whereas when Ice Spice dropped, I never tweeted about it. I never said anything about it. I listened to it, was like, this is cool and I'll see what else you do, right? Like, I don't review people based on one song. That's not what I do. Like, you have to have a body of work for me to look at in order for me to really dive into what you're doing. Because uh, it's not fair for anybody otherwise. I'm just making shit up. And now, like, the second thought, you know what I mean? The first thought is just to get the thing that's going to, because with streaming, the purchase is already made. So it's yep. just, let's get to it.
So if you can get the eyes to it, then everything else becomes, you know, secondary. Content creation. Yeah. It's a big issue. Uh, You're going to start who don't even get necessarily like whole record deals. They're just going to get deals to do singles and like they might just do a few singles. That makes more sense. You know what I mean? If I was Ice Spice, I wouldn't put an album out. Right. I'll ride that as far as I can ride it and keep working on something else and making songs and running to buy people and trying to see if I could come up with something else that's going to hit as big as that. And I would just try to drop something every, what, like six months? And now, and today's been shit, you know what I mean? You can have a decent career doing some shit like that and never have to even subject yourself to being fucking tore up in, you know, you're already going to get your ass kicked in the blogs or whatever anyway, but you don't have to ridicule, you don't have to do the expenditure of making a full studio album that people are just going to be like, this shit sucks anyway. Yeah, and it's like that Kyle guy, you know that Kyle person? He's yeah. like, he has yeah. like platinum out records, platinum singles all over the place, but nobody reps those albums. He's got like a Netflix movie and all that. He's Yeah, but you you can parlay that stuff, you know, it's a way to live. Um, but yeah, that's a real that's a real concern and, and the that's why I don't rock Marciano should get more credit on the business model end that yeah. rock Marciano was able to go and say, Hey, look, I'm dropping my album in a few weeks. Uh, if you want it before anyone else in the world, pay me directly and I'll send you the MP3. Yeah. And it was, it was like nothing I had ever seen. Yeah. Like, it's like I had the album before fit before pitchfork, you know? Like how wild is that? Uh, and that was it, that was a game changer. And that material economy is going to be important as me, the music industry continues to break down. Uh, yeah, so, and he yeah. I, here too because he was on uh, what's it called uh, flip mode with Buster Rhymes. Right. Yeah. Like twenty yeah. years ago. You know yeah. what I mean? It's only imagine the type of like you know ups and downs come with a career like that and have him take the faith and just invest in stuff. And he has sounded in a sound that like was so different at the time that he really like stepped out. You know what I'm saying? Like when you think about Marsburg, like when did that come out? 2012? 2012. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you know, shit wasn't really like sounding like that in 2012. Like, you know, like a lot of like Griselda gets the credit for like, you know, making it look real good. A lot of the underground shit was like, you know, barefooted cats at the coffee shop, like, you know what I'm <laughs> saying? Long tokens and shirts and shit, you know, bell bottoms and shit like that. And it just, it was, it was something that was always really good. But like, once you got out of that neo soul era, a lot of people just couldn't really like see that and connect with it, see that. And it didn't have that appeal like that people had. So once people started seeing like, oh, no, you could be super fly and you could, have all the diamonds and you could be in the club popping bottles and doing all of that shit too off of a sound that's like you know more reserved for typically a different environment right yep. then I feel open the doors but as far as like the sound goes like you know like I said it's just I feel like that investment period is like important you know what okay. I mean when you're doing the shit and it's not necessarily I don't even say not paying off but it's like you know that you're building for something that's like bigger and not just chasing like shit that's going on like in the moment. You know what I'm saying? Because 
I'm sure with the connections he had, he could have went and been a writer for anybody. He could have went and did really anything. Who knows what the fuck really he was doing in that span of time. But to step out of it and decide that this is the route you want to go after being next to, you know what I'm saying, like different types of shit, different business models or whatever, you mean going the major route and doing all of that, there's just a lot that, mean, like, that opened a lot of doors, even like people's minds to think differently, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, you're going to, as an independent artist, you are the player, the coach, the general manager, and the owner, right? Uh, and so you've got, being a strategist is as important an element in your emceeing as being a beat picker, right? Like, it's it's in there. Uh, and we're starting to see the people with good teams and good strategic understanding of where they are win and other people you know struggle uh and it's you know build your infrastructure build your infrastructure get your team uh know what you're doing and have a plan for every element of it every element make sure your mix is right no one's coming to that mix um that's that's my that's my ending segue Tomorrow, bring